Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Louis Patron. Key West Lou, I am your host, Louis Patron. First, Happy New Year. Uh, I was not here last week. I took Christmas Eve off. It's the holiday for those of Italian descent, extraction. I was at my daughter's house. We do the seven fishes. It was a wonderful thing, but took me late into the evening. I'm here tonight on New Year's Eve, and uh, I'm happy to be here. And I did miss doing the show last week. It was actually Christmas night I missed. I'm sorry. I, I want to start with political storms are on their way. They're waiting to burst through the clouds. We're going to have a deluge of political storms. And they're going to start, I assume, Thursday, when the government doesn't reopen, but Congress comes back to work, and you're going to have a Democratic House of Representatives with a Democratic Speaker, uh, Pelosi, and things are going to be rough. Trump and the Democrats are going to be at war with each other, and properly so. He's been fortunate he hasn't had anyone riding herd on him from the opposing party who had any power to do anything uh, when he had both houses uh, of Congress that were Republican. But I see coming up this year some major things, problems with the Democratic Congress, a... um, the wall, the wall's going to be all over the place. We're going to hear about the wall come Thursday and Friday, maybe after tomorrow. He's meeting either tomorrow or the next day with the Democratic leaders, Trump is, and they're going to try to resolve the wall problem. Uh, the uh, president's going to have, he already has some appointees, and he's going to have other appointees that require Senate confirmation. Uh, he's going to have trouble getting some of these people, I believe, through his own Republican committees controlled by the Republicans, because some of his employees suck. They just don't fit the job. They shouldn't be there. Uh, Mueller's investigation. We have to get the Mueller report. It's got to come out this year sometime, whether it's early or late. The material will be out this year. Uh, Indictments. He's going to be facing indictments. I'm not talking about the president being indicted. I'm talking about his two sons and his daughter, Ivana. They've been in the government and playing around. Son-in-law, Jared, big time. These people face indictment. He's going to have to be concerned with those things. These are realities of life, okay? And then there's the tariff wars with everybody, but the tariff wars specifically with China, a major problem, and he has not resolved that as yet. Okay, so these are big items, and they're going to control what I'm going to talk about the next year. They're going to control what the media is going to report during the next year. So tonight, not everything I'm going to talk about is Donald Trump. There are other things that have gone by the wayside this past year because we've spent so much time on Donald Trump. He does something every day. He does several new things a day, and the media go directly to those new things. And we forget it's a big world. There are other problems out there that have to be dealt with that are not being dealt with. So that's where I'm going tonight. Uh, I have some Donald Trump items in there, but you're going to find me talking about things you haven't heard about in a long time. And I'm going to start with anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is a creeping 
creeping sickness. It's like cancer. It's quiet. It just sneaks up and it grows and it grows. Uh, And it's on the rise. It's on the rise in Europe. It's on the rise in the United States. France is getting clobbered badly with with anti uh, anti Jewish uh, protests. But the reason is France has the most, the largest Jewish population in Europe, and they're suffering the most in that regard. But we have them in the United States now. We have incidents. Should we call them incidents? Quote unquote. Fancy words for everything today. You notice, and. In the United States, in the year 2017, because the numbers aren't out yet for the year just ended 2018, in the year 2017, incidents involving anti-Semitism were up 57%. You heard me, 57%. And what else did we see in 2017? And what else did we see in 2018? We have a growing a growing neo-Nazi party in the United States. You see them during the street demonstrations and protests. And, and why not? <laughs> if the, they're nationalists, the neo-Nazi party are nationalists. And, if, and Trump's a nationalist. And with some of these protests, he doesn't even come out and say, the neo-Nazi party, no good. The Ku Klux Klan, no good. They shouldn't be there. He says everyone's equally responsible that we're out there protesting. You can't have it both ways. And it's because he, I think he's anti-Jewish, even though his daughter's become Jewish, joined the Jewish faith, and Jared, his son-in-law, is of the Jewish faith. I think the man basically, outside his family, is anti-Semitic, and he's anti-black. No question about it in my mind. Uh, so we've got these incidents, and these people are open now. The neo-Nazis are they're open. They came out of the woodwork. They're like rats that have come out of the woodwork and know they can run around the house, and they're not going to be bothered. And this is a big problem in this country because our leader has shown they can and it will be permitted. Now, staying with the Jewish problem, there's a term. It's a relatively new term. Judeo-Nazis, Judeo, J-U-D-E-O, Nazis. Now, what are Judeo-Nazis? They are Nazis, they are Jews, Jews, who today act like, think like Hitler and the Nazis, for example. There are, and by the way, there are Jewish people in Israel and Jewish people in the United States who are opposed to these Judeo-Nazis. They just don't like them because the Judeo-Nazis stand for something they're against. (laughs) The Nazi party burned six million, killed six million Jews. And now uh, you have Jews supporting the Nazi way of life. Uh, Now here's what's happening. They don't like these tendencies, these Judeo-Nazi tendencies. And the fellow responsible for all this, by the way, is Netanyahu. You know, the, the head of Israel, uh, he is, he, this man is like Trump. They're birds of a feather. That's how I've described them during this past year, birds of a feather. Uh, he is a, he's a nationalist, and it, he doesn't represent an Israel today that's fighting to keep Israel intact and protect Israel from everybody that wants to annihilate Israel. He is attacking many different countries in order to enhance and strengthen the power of Israel. In fact, in some countries, he is fighting on the side of Saudi Arabia and other Arabian countries against other groups. 
I mean, everybody's getting together over there. He attacks the Palestinians ruthlessly. Israel attacks the Palestinians ruthlessly. They want their own country. And the Jews say, you're not entitled to it. We've developed this area. Well, you know, where did the Jewish people get their land from back in, what, 46 or 47 when the Jewish state was established? They took land from the Palestinians. Now the Palestinians say you've got to give some of it back. That's all. It's very simple. Makes sense to me. But he's out there seeking to initiate warlike activity against the Palestinians constantly, sending missiles over, bombing them, sending troops in to fight on the Palestinian, uh, what's considered the Palestinian portion of the land there. So what have you got here? You've got a man that's like Trump. He's like Putin, Androgen, Kim. He's changed. He wants to be a dictator. He wants to be a dictator like these guys, just like Trump wants to be a dictator. And you just he's operating as an authoritarian figure. Uh, he is he's pursuing a way of life for the state of Israel that is not what many Israeli people want. There are many who do not. In this country, we support Israel big time, and in his own country, uh, and that's just the way it is. And keep your eyes and ears open. Watch this, what he does and whose side he's on and the things he gets engaged in. Uh, and show you they're birds of a feather. Trump's got this Mueller investigation going. Uh, Netanyahu's already been indicted at least two times and has been under investigation for a third indictment for wrongdoing in his country. How it's going to work out, I don't know. I also want to talk about this. I'm still with Israel. Things you haven't heard. I want to talk about Texas. A Texas school teacher, American citizen, and Israel. Uh, her name is Bahaya Amaevi. She's an American citizen. She has worked nine years at a public school for a public school district in Texas as a speak, speech pathologist. She's lost her job. <laughs> She's lost her job, and it's for a very simple reason. The school teaching contracts are one-year contracts between her and the state. That's how it operates in Texas, between the teacher and the state. And the contract's always been the same, and she signed it no problem. But this past year, they put a new clause in the contract. This is a contract between the state of Florida and her, and it says... It says very simply, uh, you pledge as part of your contract with the school district not not to boycott Israel, okay, uh, for any reason, not to speak anti-Israel, not to boycott anti-Israel. You are, in effect, pro-Israel. And she says, hey, <laughs> this isn't right. This is not freedom of speech. I have a right to do what I want in the way I think. And actually, I support the Palestinians. And this is terribly wrong. And she says, I will not sign it. So she lost her job because she refuses to put in writing that she will not boycott in any fashion or do business with any company or person that boycotts Israel. This is also part of the clause. Now, where did all this come from? You're going to be shocked at the numbers here. Uh, this... Texas law went into effect 2017 that I'm talking about. 
And uh, 26 states in the United States have similar clauses that if you do business with the state, one of those 26 states, you cannot boycott Israel, do business with any company that boycotts Israel, uh, basically be pro-Israel. We didn't even see these coming upon us. All right, we have similar bills pending in 13 more states, okay? And there is a bill that's going to Trump's desk for his entertainment and signature that says if you boycott, I mean, if you have a government job, a state job, or now he may put in a job with the United States or doing business with the United States, you cannot do so if you boycott Israel in any fashion or do business with someone who boycotts Israel. Now, I don't think this is right, and I can't believe you think it's right. Our government is getting too much involved in things that really are none of their business. It's that simple. Uh, You should be able to do certain things that you believe in and support. This is wrong. This is wrong. But we don't hear about these things that are happening, and that's what bothers me. I want to talk about the blind and the fact that the blind can see. I, I wrote an article on this a couple of weeks ago. The blind can see. I have a friend, Terry White. I talk about her frequently. I write about her a lot in my daily blog. Uh, Terry White's 65 years old. Uh, she's Africa, Afri- African-American. Uh, interesting woman. Very interesting woman. She she is a lesbian. She has a wife, uh, Donna Barnett. Both of these ladies are my friends. I refer to them, don't be shocked, as my lesbian wives. I'm their lesbian husband. Because when they were married, where it was legal at the time to be married, I was supposed to be give the bride away, and the bride was Terry. And unfortunately, the night before, I ended up on an operating table and lost 25% of my colon. So I never made the event, but we're still very close. I spent New Year's Eve with them and some other friends. Uh, That's the way it is. Nice girl. Now, here's the story. Terry was told, oh, five, six years ago, she was going to go blind. She had some problem that was non-correctable, but she had a good 10, 12, 13 years ahead of her before she'd go blind. Then three years ago, Terry got cancer, three different cancers at one time, horrible, the worst kinds. I won't get into all the details. Shocking. And she was supposed to die. She spent two years fighting it, and she survived. However, the drugs, the medicines used to combat, to kill the cancer, accelerated the blindness And last year, she went totally blind. She is totally blind. She went downhill just like that. She is totally blind. It's an interesting life she leads now. Let me give you her background also. She was, I'm going to describe her as a Broadway star. She's been in the theatrical field, especially in New York and on Broadway, since the 1970s. Singer, dancer. And I'm not talking about, you know, in the chorus. She started off in the chorus as a kid in the 70s. Uh, But... She's done some major Broadway shows. She has never been the star. She's always been the second banana. Still had a prominent part, made a good living, all right? And no problem getting a job. She always used to get phone calls. We need somebody for this. You got it. Don't worry about it. You don't have to try out. Just show up in the city. We're going to send you the materials you need to look at. She, she is, she's won an Obie Award. 
She's been nominated for I don't know how many other Broadway awards. She has particip- She has been in in this second starring role, supporting role in Nonsense 2. Ain't Misbehaving, she had a very huge role. In Barnum, she had a huge role. Finian's Rainbow, she had a very big role. And then uh, three or four years ago before the cancer hit, Chicago's been playing for 10 years on Broadway, and they're, they're bringing in other people to do the show now. She was invited to play Mama Morton. That was the the, the female jail uh, cellkeeper, whatever you want to call it, the cellmate, the matron, the jail matron. Mama Morton in Chicago, and she did three months in Broadway, on Broadway as Mama Morton. Cool. Now, why am I going through all this? Because you're going to love what I'm going to share with you. I did not know what I'm going to share with you. Some of you may know, but I have to believe most do not. I've done this on two different radio shows I do besides, and I've written about it, and everyone tells me afterwards or writes me, I didn't know. This is amazing. So here's the story. You know, the the blind walk with a stick. Well, she had a stick, uh, but now she's got a new one. What happened is this. She needs blind support. She needs these blind organizations to come out and teach her how to be blind. Uh, And if they do, the blind can see. You understand, you'll understand what I'm saying as you see what I'm going to go through. So they finally came down from Miami. Uh, it's hard to schedule. A lot of people have need, this need. She's had them for two separate Saturday afternoons for three hours each time. They're coming next week again. Here's what she's got in six hours. She has a her stick now is a new stick, the stick they fold up. It's with her all the time. She walks with it in front of her. The one she has now that they've given her, and everything's free, by the way. They help they give her. The materials they give her are absolutely free. She has a vibrating ball. It tells her when she's at a curb because the stick goes down, it vibrates, and she can hear the vibration. Feel it and hear the vibration. If she's walking and there's a three-foot wall to her right or in front of her where there are flowers planted, it goes off also. So this is great in what she's walking. She's not walking into things. Uh, then she has a wristwatch. This watch is fantastic. Uh, she presses the button on the watch. Beautiful watch, by the way. And it's, uh, it tells her the date, the day of the week, and the time. Would you believe it? The date, the day of the week, and the time. It speaks to her. Colors. Now, People have to dress whether they're male or female, but women are especially sensitive, I would assume, about their clothes. You know, uh, what am I going to wear? Am I going to wear a red blouse or a blue blouse? Then what colors are going to be my skirt? And what about my underwear? Women love fancy lingerie, different colors, light blue, red, pink, whatever. But if you're blind, how are you going to tell? All right. So you're going to love this. She has a scanner now that she runs over her clothes drawer, and it tells her what color the blouses are, what color the shorts are, what color the underwear is, and what color her skirts or whatever they are. are. Isn't that amazing? It tells her pink, blue, red, purple, on top of which, on top of which. Now, women don't have all solid one-color blouses. Many have designs on them. It may be polka dots. It may be squares. It may be a palm tree. It may be a bird. And it also tells the person who's blind the design that's on that piece of clothing. This is fantastic. Terrific. Now, 
got to weigh herself. We all like to watch her weight. We all want to try to lose a pound or two here. Terry does also. And they gave her a scale. She steps on the scale, and the scale says, hello. It says, ready. It tells her her weight, and then says goodbye. I can't see my scale that far down. Uh, my glasses don't help. And But she weighs herself once a day now this way. Money. Money. I, I always thought blind people folded their money in a certain order to know, and the way they folded it would tell them whether it was a $20 bill, $10 bill, $5 bill, $1 bill. No, no. Today, she has an app in her cell phone, an app in her cell phone. She holds the bills in her hand, and she scans the bills, and the app tells her, this is a $20 bill, a $5 bill, or what have you. Now, reading, reading. This is one of the most amazing things, I think. Reading. Uh, we all know blind people learn Braille. She hasn't learned Braille yet. Uh, I assume she will, but maybe she won't. Because for reading, they have provided her with a scanner. Everything's a scanner. And she takes a book, and she scans the pages with the scanner. And as the scanner scans the pages, she runs it over with her hand. The words are read to her through the scanner. She's got a reading book. <laughs> she now can read at where she wasn't before because she can sit there in a chair and just scan the pages and go through books. Wild. So that's what's happening today in the, in, with the blind. I'll keep you up today because she's got all these other things coming in. And, and I say, I call this the blind can see. Uh, already just with these little things, it's given her more independence, more confidence, and so forth. And she deserves everything that can be provided this woman. Okay, now I want to talk about Rick Patino, famous basketball coach, coached basketball at Kentucky University. Then he went with the pros, the Boston Celtics, then came back to college basketball with Louisville. Outstanding coach, one of the best records in the United States. Uh, just a brilliant coach, absolute brilliant coach. He also started out as an assistant coach at Syracuse under Jim Beheim. And these two men, by the way, became friends. They were best men for each other. They baptized each other's children, et cetera, et cetera. Well, as you may be aware, Patino got in trouble. Uh, and he's been sparred, in effect, from coaching in America. Uh, the charge is that he, uh, when he wanted to recruit, when Louisville was recruiting, uh, high school basketball players, they had parties on campus for them, and prostitutes were brought in for the players. Now, that should be a no-no. It was unclear whether he specifically knew, because the entertainment was the, the responsibility of someone else, but the NCAA has come out with this rule about five years ago that if you're the coach, the head coach, you are responsible for everything that goes on with the team, even though you don't know anything about it. So there's not a certainty he knew. The guy's a smart man. I would assume he knew, but he says he didn't know. So who the hell knows? But he's without a job the last couple of years. Uh, he's gone to Greece. It just was announced Wednesday. Uh, Rick Patino is in Greece. He is coaching one of the best professional basketball teams in Greece. I probably am going to pronounce this name wrong. Uh, it's called the pan as in i -Kos. I won't try it again. It's a long word. It's got about 15 letters in it. 
It's one of the European continent's top-tier pro leagues, okay? Uh, I love this. I love this. He started coaching there last Wednesday. He hit the ground running. He arrived on Wednesday, started coaching on one Wednesday. Uh, I don't know how he's going to get around the language barrier. There are three, are three American players on the team. Uh, it'll all work out. This is a perfect match for Rick Pitino and Greece. I know Rick Pitino. Not that well, but no, if I pass him on the street, hi, Louis, hi, Rick. Uh, I know him through Jim Beheim at Syracuse. I know him from the racetrack at Saratoga, which is near Utica, and I used to frequently spend time there, sometimes rent a house by the month, as Pitino did. Pitino was heavy into racing horses. He owned them. He trained them, uh, et cetera. Uh, They've got to love him in Greece. The Greek people, I have found, are the most accepting the most lovable people in the world. Not even my Italian ancestry were as sweet as the Greek people. You meet them, you meet them once. They never forget you, and they, in effect, make you a member of their family if they like you. And this is what happened for me in Greece. I got to know so many people. And when they came back, they saw me walking down the street, and they'd run out of a bar or restaurant. Louis! And I was wonderful. Um, So he's going to do it. He's going to do what I did. He's going to dance with the men. He's going to learn how to dance with the men. I broke dishes besides dancing with the men. I threw dishes. I did it all. I love Greece. He's going to love Greece. Greece is made for him. He's made for Greece. And I'm sure he'll be successful and he'll be happy living in Greece. So that's the story on Rick Pitino, which now brings me to China and toilet paper. I told you I was going to stay away from Trump if I could tonight. Uh, and this, I may, I may, because I, I, I uh, have some other issues before I would even get to Trump tonight. The Chinese people are brilliant. you got to agree. Uh, their problem is they get too many people. And so they run into problems in servicing their people. Uh, but overall, they're good. With, they, they can make cheaply what costs us a lot of money to make. They're just brilliant, these people. Uh, they steal everything, but that's the way they are. They have a toilet paper problem. And they they have public toilets. They're on the street. They're not like the public toilets that are going all over Europe that I've written and talked about, where you can even see in the toilet. It's just a cubicle. A man goes in there, he pulls out his private, and he go, urinates, and you can see that he's doing it. And women go in and sit or squat, and they can be seen, but that's how it's being done in most of these public toilets in European countries. China, you can't see. But they have a toilet paper problem, and it, the first correction to the problem has been tested and accepted in a city called Jinan, J-I-N-A-N, Jinan. And what's happening is people go into these public toilets, and they're wasteful with the toilet paper. They leave it on the floor. They take too much. And then toilet paper is hard to buy. It's hard to find in China. So they take a lot of this toilet paper, stuff it in their clothes or in their bags or whatever have you, and take it home to use or wherever else. Now, the government doesn't like this, didn't like it. It's costing them too much money. So they got sort of a camera now on the toilet paper dispenser. It's called Facial recognition technology. Facial recognition technology. And while you're doing your, you start taking the toilet paper, it somehow takes an image of your face. 
takes an image of your face. And if you're a repeat customer, as they call it, quote-unquote repeat, it will reject your request. It won't let you take more toilet paper. Understand, the most toilet paper you can get for whatever use you're going to put it to, and whether you're male or female, is 27 inches. After 27 inches, you're cut off. Now, if you're a repeat, and this machine can tell whether they're this this half-assed camera can tell whether you're a repeat customer. You got to wait nine minutes to get more toilet paper. Nobody's going to stand in the toilet nine minutes, so they leave and somebody else goes in. And the facial recognition for the new people is excellent. They know it's a different person, and they dispense the 27 inches. That's what's going on with toilet paper in China. And I got to tell you, I have just eaten up my time for tonight. I did not touch Donald Trump except in my introductory remarks. I think that's terrific. I hope you've enjoyed uh, my sharing some things that are happening elsewhere in the world. These are things we should be reading about. We should be hearing it on television and on the radio, in magazines. But Trump controls everything. He dominates our news, and we can understand why. Uh, So that's the story, and Lewis tried to give you an introduction to some other things. I thank you very much for joining me tonight. I love doing the show. I got to tell you, my numbers go up every week. I do this show. I love it. <laughs> I love that all you people listen, and you, you obviously or apparently recommend me to your friends. Uh, keep it up. Again, thank you for joining me tonight. I look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>